this morning as we begin our series for Christmas. Yes, Christmas is just around the corner. It may look a little different this year, but we still have reason to celebrate and have joy. We'll start by reading the text this morning, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. When the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, Then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bond servant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who are looking for the redemption of Israel. We kind of... Just bypass what you normally would do as you begin a Christmas series. But there's a reason for it, so bear with me. You know, every generation has its where were you when question. It usually is around a seismic cultural event. For example, where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Where were you when JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. had been shot and killed? Or where were you when you heard about Columbine? Or how about where were you on September the 11th of 2001? Now, some of these examples do predate some of us here. But we all have a new one which we all share. Where were you when you realized that COVID-19 was real? It's moments like these. They are big. They change things. There is no going back. Culture shifts. And unfortunately, many events like these are negative catastrophes or tragedies. They strike with little or no warning. And they introduce 
a new sense of uncertainty in our lives. Does this sound like anything familiar to you? Perhaps the year 2020 altogether. What a year 2020 has been. It has to rank in the all-time top ten of unexpected happenings and uncertain events due to its ongoing uncertainty. You could write a sci-fi novel or a movie script from the headlines, or perhaps more of the headlines have come out of sci-fi movies (laughs) altogether. We have been living with this for almost a year, a global pandemic, economic recession, mass unemployment, political division, cultural upheaval, racial reckoning, wildfires, hurricanes, and floods. If there's ever a year we need Christmas, dearly beloved, this is it. If there's ever a year that we need the hope of Christmas, this is it. And if there's ever a year that we need Christ, this is that year. And we're going to the season of Advent. Advent simply means coming or arrival. It's a season of hope. Traditionally, it's been a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. It's not just an extension of Christmas. It links the past, present, and future. It offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longings for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom. It's also a season of digging deeper into the reality of what it means when God sent His Son here to be Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of expectation and preparation. So remember, where you are on your level of anxiety from 2020, where you may be on your spiritual journey, I invite you to come along with me in this season of Advent. Let me tell you something. I'm about to say something that if people don't give me weird looks, I'm going to be absolutely surprised. All the craziness and the chaos we've seen this year has been a gift. Let me hide underneath the pulpit. You know why? Because it's given us the opportunity to rediscover Christmas, to really look back at that story, what Christmas is truly all about, and specifically this morning to rediscover the hope of Christmas even in the midst of our uncertainties. And we just read a story after Jesus was born, they take him to the temple. But before I get to mix or, uh, dive into that text, we have to look at the historical context or the Kind of like the what's going on when all this happens because Jesus was born in, into human history. So there's a historical context, situations, and political things that were going on at that time. We think we've had it bad. Israel had it bad back in biblical days, especially the times of Jesus. They were a defeated nation under the Roman Empire. In fact, a lot of the world was underneath Roman rule at that point. It was a harsh time of conquest and brutality. It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the calling out of God's people. It had been thousands of years since they were invaded and conquered by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the massive empires of the Greeks and the Romans. 
It had been generations and generations since the formation of God's covenant with humanity, the promising of a Messiah, to make things right, to bless humans, and to restore everything that we have messed up since God's perfect creation. The fulfillment of God's covenant and the coming Messiah to make things right were not just a happy idea that floated into consciousness one moment and went out. It was their deepest hope that sustained them. It encouraged them and it spurred them on, especially through the thousands of years of uncertain waiting. But maybe you've said this. How long, O oh God, was the cry of the ancient Israelites? How long could hope survive, especially under the world-changing forces of the Greek and Roman empires by which we are still influenced today? Were there embers of hope anywhere still flickering? And we see an example of that with Simeon and Anna. Look at this story. Go back and look at the text. They were sparks of hope. Really, they were torches of hope. They were expecting God to come through and do exactly what he said he would do. They believed it. They were waiting for it. They were both elders. They had lived long lives. They had seen many things and experienced many things. Both hardship for their people and hardship in their own lives. Specifically, we are told that Anna is a widow. Has been for decades. And by the way, in that culture, that was a low social status. But here we find them, serving God, faithfully devoted to God. They're ready to see God act and do great things. Did you notice they weren't surprised at this baby? But Dal mentioned this earlier. Can you imagine walking up with your newborn baby boy and some older gentleman walks up, takes the baby and starts pronouncing things over him? If that happened today, we probably won't knock him out. No one told them this was the Messiah. He knew when he looked. That is the Messiah that God promised me I would see before I die. They were tuned in. They were waiting. They were watching. They were listening. They were expecting. They were filled with hope. And hope made them ready. Look what it says in the text. Day after day, they kept serving God in the temple. Inspired and fueled by the hope that God was at work. Even though they couldn't see it. Even though they were surrounded by hardship. Even as time passed by and they grew older and older, Simeon and Anna still held on to hope. Does that sound anything familiar for what you and I are experiencing today? We have a song that we sing that God's at work. Even we don't see him, he's at work. Even when we're surrounded by all these things, dearly beloved, God is at work. They foster this new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, worshiping Him, serving Him, and serving others. They were taking that one step faithfully, one day at a time. They might have said things like, of course God will come through. This is what He said He would do. And as they rejoiced and celebrated, they infused hope into the people around them. Specifically, Mary and Joseph. Now, ladies and gentlemen, put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes. You're now the mom and dad of God incarnate. A little responsibility, maybe even a little intimidation with that one going on. There's a song that Mary did you know that when you kiss the face of Jesus, your baby boy, you're kissing the face of God. 
They were still trying to figure out what that means. And they said, look in the text, it says they were amazed by the things that Simeon and Anna were talking about of Jesus. I think there was more said, we just don't have a record of it. But they were amazed by these things. I believe that Simeon and Anna, looking at that story, tell us several things about hope and power that we can take away and apply in our lives today. Number one, hope sees beyond. Hope is the fuel of faith, dreams, and possibilities. Hope is that whisper of maybe or just maybe. It's the spark in the cold darkness that catches flame. It is the flicker of first light on the new morning. No matter how your year has gone, dear beloved, no matter what kind of problems or struggles you're facing, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you are in, let me encourage each and every one of you, do not, do not, do not, do not abandon hope. Hope is still alive even in our darkest pain. Even in our most hopeless circumstances, hope is still alive. Hope chases away darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive. Why? Because of Emmanuel, God with us. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 states, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as we go on with that chapter, we'll see it explains our relationship as God's children. What it means to live by the guidance of the Spirit of God. In other words, being filled with the Holy Spirit and have Him guide us in everything that we do. Then later it shifts to the future when God will fulfill His work in us and restore all of creation. And later in that chapter, verse 24 through 26, listen to what it says about hope, specifically about hope. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In the same way the Spirit helps our weakness, so we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Did you catch that? It's a good passage, by the way, but I want to pick out one thing about it. Look what it says, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? You see, hope exists before reality comes to pass. Let me explain it to you this way. As a, you can hope, for, for example, that in my wallet here in my side pocket, I have a $100 bill. You can hope that. And you can hope that I may take it out and walk right up to you and give it to you. You may hope that. You may keep on thinking that when I walk <laughs> You guys can't see what I'm seeing. <laughs> you hope that when you walk out of here, you're going to be $100 richer. You, you, can, you can expect it. You can hope it. But once I step it out and give it to you, there's no need for hope because it's done. See, hope by its very nature exists in uncertainty before. It exists in questions. But hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality is presenting to us. Now, the Christ has come. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, laid down his life for 
my sin and for yours. On the third day he rose again, he ascended to the Father where he seats at his right hand, interceding for you and I. But that's not all the story, though, is it? There's a day coming when he's coming again. And just like Simeon and Anna waited for that first coming Messiah, we can live with that same hope and expectation, faithfully serving God, knowing that one day, one day, he's coming again. Until he calls me home or until I'm standing here, I actually see it happen. I'm going to remain faithful to God because God always does what he said he's going to do. He keeps, the Bible is a story Time and time and time again, how God makes promises, and even in the most dire circumstances, comes through with it. Look at some of the families in the Bible for crying out loud. Not the most, I want to be nice, but a lot of dysfunctional family in the Bible. Take a look. But God always keeps his promises. If nothing else happens... No matter what happens in the future, let me afraid. No matter what happens in the next five minutes, a year from now, what happens with this COVID nineteen? I can have hope because Christ is coming again. All this will be a memory. Maybe it won't be a memory. I don't know, but I do know. No matter what comes my way, even death itself cannot separate me from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus. That's my hope. That's my rock, and that's what I stand on. And that's what this Christmas season is all about, is about Christ. So we need to see beyond. Hope sees beyond. What else can we learn from them? That God is with us here, now, and always. With God, there is no uncertainty. He knows your pain. He knows your challenges. And he knows your struggles. And here's the thing. In spite of what he knows about you, he still likes you and loves you. You know, when you go on a first date, and you get to know somebody, you put your best foot forward, right? And then usually you get married, you find out, well, I didn't know you did that. You know, the toilet paper rolls off the top, not the bottom. You squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom, not from the middle, and get all over the place. I mean, I'm just using examples, but God already knows that about you, and yet he calls out to each one of us. On a daily basis. It didn't take him by surprise with a new coronavirus went global and mutated and spread around the world. It didn't take him by surprise when the economy froze and sunk. Or when you or your loved one or a friend received that dreaded diagnosis. He sees you. He is here. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus embodied and fulfilled and brought hope into this world. And this is not a hope that he dangles before us, that taunts us just out of reach. It is not a hope which he demands us to conjure up as we struggle in life's worst moments. This is a hope that he infuses within us. It is a hope filled and fanned within us by God's Spirit. Even in our grim circumstances and deepest pain, when the faintest gleam of hope seems so far away or impossible, when we feel so weak and we just can't carry on, or we feel our very grass slipping away, even on the ability to have hope, His Spirit restores us. 
by reminding us of God's faithfulness and his promises. His spirit leads us into his word where we can read about his faithfulness and all that he's promised to do. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. He doesn't promise to take away the storms, dearly beloved, but he has promised to walk through those storms with us every step of the way. You ever heard that poem about footprints? It's been around for a long time. Basically, a guy's having a, a dream or a vision. He's walking side by side with the Lord on the beach. And he happens to glance back and he sees two sets of footprints. But then he sees there's times that only one set of footprints seem to be there. And he looks again. He said, what makes it even worse that those are the most trying times of my life when I really needed you. Where did you go? When I lost my job, when my kid was sick, when my wife died, all these things, when I need you, God, why weren't you there? You know what he responds back? The Lord looks at him and said, that's when I carried you along the way. We have such a merciful, loving God that even in our loneliest and darkest moments, he is with us. The third thing we can learn is hope inspires us to carry on. The Apostle Paul described the cycle of hope like this. In Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 2, he explains that because of Jesus, we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Listen to this. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proving character and proving character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This hope from God's Spirit does not put us to shame. It will not let us down. It will never disappoint us. Instead, it gives us new and growing strength beyond the pain and confusion that we see right in front of us. This empowering of hope reminds me of a great story I came across this week from the COVID pandemic. This person is a British citizen over there in England. His name is Captain Tom, but later became Captain uh, Sir Tom Moore. Now, Tom Moore was knighted by the Queen of England. It's a hundred-year-old man, how old he is, who seemingly-handedly raised $40 million for the British healthcare system by walking a hundred laps around his garden. That's right, a dollar for every lap, or in their language, would be a pound. I don't know what the exchange rate is for a pound or a dollar right now. Now, when it started off as a challenge from his son-in-law to donate this, it went viral when his daughter posted the campaign on an online charity site. Of course, the news spread quickly, and he was a World War II veteran. He gripped his walker, wearing his navy blue blazer, decorated with all his war medals, walking around his garden. He became a national hero. He said after the pandemic, he wants to travel the world. 
Something simple. Maybe not for him due his age. Just a challenge. He rose as a hero, probably an unlikely hero. You know what he told reporters when they asked him about this? You know, how difficult it was? How did you get started? He said, quote, the first step was the hardest. After that, I got in the swing of it, and I kept on going. Isn't that true, though, about all things in life? The first step is always the hardest. I remember before I came to Christ, I heard the gospel story time and time again growing up as a child, but I never made a profession of faith. I could feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That hardest step was when I first stepped out. And once I first stepped out, it was just like no problem at all. Now, I like to tell you my spiritual journey has been that easy. It hasn't. I've failed. I've I've failed a lot of times. I've had victories because of Christ. But I want to tell you it's that small first step. Just take that one more step. Just take that one more step. Just take that one more step. And when you look at over a period of time, well, I was way over there, but God has brought me this far. How do you do it? One step at a time. But the first step is always the hardest. The first step is always the hardest. It's, it can be so hard to lift our downcast, tear-filled eyes, right? And look for the tiny spark of hope when we feel so swallowed up by our pain. It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles, to grasp the Lord's hands as he extends it to us when we're weighted down by our burdens. And by the way, what did Jesus say about our burdens? Come ye all that are heavy laden and burdened, and I shall give you rest. So it's not like take care of all your business first. He says, come as you are with all your baggage, with all your hurts, with all your struggles. Everything you got, just bring them to me, sit them down, and let me work. There's rest. You know, as a man, it's hard. And I'm just going to speak for myself, and most of the gentlemen in here, if they're honest, this is true too. It's hard to let go because we like to be in control stuff. As a man, you want to be in control. You know, I want to take care of stuff. You know, my wife told me this. I may get in trouble. See, the, the women like to talk over problems. You know, just, just hear me. Don't do anything. Just hear what I have to say. The whole time we're thinking, how can I fix this? No, I just want to fix it. I don't want you to fix it. Just listen to me. You ever had that discussion? <laughs> but I learned. And this is, by the way, I haven't learned it past since that's wrong. I am learning how to let go every day of my life. In other words, to let go. And you know what I found? It takes more of a man to let go and say, God, I can't do this anymore. You take it. And there's freedom in letting go. There's true freedom in it. If the God, he sustains the universe, has all this miraculous power to create everything we see, you keep it all going, I think you can take care of my problems. And the great thing that sometimes my human mind can't understand is this same powerful, great I am, almighty God, comes to me and says, Tim, give me your problems. Come to me as you are. And we come with a willing heart, a repentant heart, and turn to him. He can do extraordinary things to just the most ordinary people. We've seen video and video of it every Sunday morning. Those people are no different than you and I. God moved them. They answered that call. They're probably quite sure where they go. Yeah, can you imagine to say, I want to be a missionary to the Amazon? How would that go over? 
But they still took that first step, and there they are. You see, when we receive the promise of hope in God's Word, we find new strength, and we accept the power of hope that granted to us in God's Spirit, we find new inspiration. And when we focus on the power of hope embodied in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the return, and eternity of Jesus, we'll discover that strength that we need to take that first step. Hope inspires us. It emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope. And that is what keeps us going. How can we meet here week after week after week and keep going in light of everything we see the world's throwing at us? I don't have time to go through all that. You guys watch TV. You know the news. How can we do that and still have joy? Because of who God is, what he's done, and what he's promised to do. The greatest gift. I can't think of a, a, a proper way to really explain what it means, God with us. He's not some God some absentee landlord who created the world and stepped back, hey, you guys are on your own. Even when man sinned against him. Go back and look at that story. He he came into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Now, he knew where Adam was. It was like no cosmic hide and seek. He knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to come to him. God still seeks us out, even in the midst of our sin and our shortcomings. So I ask you today, what is your next step of hope today? What is your next step of hope in this Advent season? So oftentimes, we want to see what happens tomorrow. We want to leave the last page of a novel. We want to see what the future holds. However, our lives don't work that way. We don't have the, that privilege granted to us. But in Christ, we have been given the end of the ultimate story. In Christ, we have been given true life that church transcends the pains of earth and the brokenness of our world. And in this Advent season, we can find hope in the arrival and life of Jesus. We can draw hope in God's faithfulness and fulfilling His long-awaited promise of the Messiah. We can focus on the hope of God's continued hope in and around all of us that one day that need for that hope will not be needed anymore as we realize the reality of God's full restoration. See, no matter what happens to us, what life is throwing at us, what we can experience, the hope of God's Spirit within us can carry us, strengthen us, embolden us, and giving us the strength that we need to take that next step. The invitation to you now is to take that next step of hope. Hope is dawning. Christ is coming. Christ is coming again. Invitation, take that next step of hope. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never just let go of everything. You know what, God, I've, I've tried everything else. Everything else seems to be messing up. I'm so tired. I'm so beat up. Come to him. Give it all over to him. Give your life over to him. Repent of your sin and turn to him. And I'm telling you, I'm, I, I bear witness to the fact of the power of the gospel and the power of God to just transform your life if you simply will let go and let him do it. Perhaps you've done that, and this year has really just beaten you up. You, you want to believe, and you try to go on, you try to have that faith, but 
you're bombarded with all these images and stories that contradict what the Bible says. You're, you're trying to do it. Maybe God's simply telling you, won't you just let go of it and trust me? Trust me. There's a uh, song by an artist called Micah Taylor. It's called Last. It's simply the title of it. He talks about how time has proved to be no one's friend. And he cries out in the song about, I may not go back and be able to start all over again, but I can live today like I might be my last. And if anything that 2020 has taught us in a real, illustrative way, tomorrow is not promised. Family is the most important. The relationship with God is the most important. All this can be gone in a blink of an eye. I believe God is using the virus to wake us all up. Quit looking around yourself for the answers Look up for the answers. And I'll leave you with this. The most powerful thing you can do is to kneel before God. Because when we're on our knees, that's when we're greatest. Because our His strength is perfected in our weakness. When we turn to Him and say, God, I, I just can't handle this no more. I've tried. I'm sorry I turned to you work in and through my life and I promise you he will hear you and he will begin to do things in your life and one day you'll look back to this moment in time and say oh my goodness gracious I never knew all this was going to happen praise God for his goodness and his gracious it's happened to me I know it's happened to a lot of you in this room because you've told me stories but the story, I mean, we know the end of the story, Jesus coming in, but he's not quite done yet, though, is he? Still more he wants to do. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, there's still things God wants to do. He's not quite finished yet. And like I told you last week, he doesn't want any to perish, but to all come to repentance. That's why he's still waiting. That's why he's still waiting. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that you give us. Even in the midst of this year with all the confusion and chaos and pain and uncertainty, we place our hope in you. You're the rock on which we stand. And dear God, I pray for everyone in this room, people who are watching us over the internet, dear God, whatever they're facing, be it struggles, pains, whatever it is, dear God, I pray that they will sense your presence and that you wrap your arms of love and peace around each one and pull them close to your side and remind them how much you love them, how much you care for them. But Father, knock down every wall, break every chain. We'll be, we'll be quick to give you all the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please?